Okay, hopefully you can hear me now. Okay, the first reading is from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. And uh, as Stephen said, you should be able to follow it on the screens above. Starting at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Our second reading is from further along in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to 56. And as Steve says, uh, you should be able to follow it on the cards uh, on the tables. So starting at verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are pride in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. The spot so I can read my notes rather than anything else. um... Uh, Christmas is a big deal, isn't it? I mean, it is absolutely huge. Uh, We may try to avoid it. We may try to ignore it. For most of us, it dominates our lives much of December, November, October. Some of us will start in September or maybe before. And for most people here, um, I, I guess there are some things about Christmas. I know for some of us we'll find it quite difficult. But for most of us there'll be some things about Christmas actually we rather like. Well, I love having the family uh, back home. I love um, opening presents after the Queen. We make them wait uh, in front of our log fire on Christmas Day. Uh, I love making bubble and squeak on Boxing Day. That usually means I have to cook everything from scratch, like the roast potatoes, because we finished them the day before and stuff like that. But I just love it. And uh, I love the John Lewis adverts. 
Love Elton John this year, and so on and so on. Uh, and it's no, there is no doubt about it that Christmas is, um, uh, well, we're thinking about the Saviour song as it says on the sheets, but Christmas is absolutely huge. Now, if you look at some of the, of the statistics, apparently last year in the UK, we spent £19 billion pounds on presents. That's uh, £1.1 billion present so roughly about 20 quid average spend uh, on each present and on average we bought about 22 gifts for nine people so we spent uh, on average about 379 pounds each on presents that's a lot isn't it that's an awful lot but just wait till you get to hear how much we ate now um, apparently last year we ate 300 million 308 million slices of turkey between us Okay, and uh, 411 million sprouts, 205 million slices of Christmas cake. I reckon that's about three each. That's quite a lot, isn't it? That means some people eat an awful lot of Christmas cake. And uh, and then I was really surprised about this. Families travelled 5.6 billion miles in the UK to go and visit friends and family at Christmas last year. And the final statistic: we played on average two board games, and on average. One of them ended in an argument. (laughs) So the first thing we want to say, and I want to say uh, this first main point this evening, Christmas is huge, it is simply huge. But I want to say this, the first Christmas, in many, many ways, wasn't actually huge at all. Uh, It was just an unknown couple of, frankly, probably teenagers. Mary is probably a teenager, possibly just 13 when she gave birth to Jesus. Uh, anyway, she's very pregnant. They turn up at the pub, uh, wanting to spend the night there, uh, in a place called Bethlehem, which we may have heard of, but in those days no one ever had heard of. And there were no vacancies, so they go around the back to the shed, and she goes into labor and has a baby boy who gets laid in a feeding trough. It's just a very private little thing around the back of a pub in Nowhereville. In many ways, Christmas wasn't huge at all, but it was certainly huge for Mary. She's become a mum, for a start, and she recognises, if you have a look um, at this here, where are we, there we are, uh, there we are on the sheet there, it's on number 49, verse number 49, for the mighty one has done great things for me. She recognises, as she sings this song later on, that God is at work. He knows this is, uh, she knows this is no ordinary, well, she knows it's no ordinary pregnancy. It's no ordinary baby. Um, uh, for a start, she's still a virgin. And yet she's having a baby. And she knows, have a look at this, uh, she knows that from now on, all generations will call me blessed. That is not to be worshipped, not to be adored, but blessed, blessed by God. Because for some reason, in his wonderful and divine sovereignty, he has chosen Mary to be the mother of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And when God planned to become a human being, when he planned to be born of a woman, he planned to be born for Mary's womb. For Mary, this was a life-changing 
thing. Not just the fact that she was having a baby even before she'd slept with anyone. But the fact that this baby was there through God's divine intervention. And it wasn't just for her life, but this is something that's going to change everyone's life. Your life. Permanently. Which is why Mary says this. She says this. My soul glorifies the Lord. Or magnifies. And it may sound familiar. As uh, Gillian read this earlier on. Uh, if um, you've been coming to C of E services and evening prayer... Uh, Anglicans have been saying this for 500 years. It's called the Magnificat, or chanting it for 500 years. And uh, uh, let me just explain a little more. Let me tell you about Gwen. Auntie Gwen was uh, Anna's 101-year-old aunt, and she died in the summer. And uh, we've inherited Gwen's desk. Now, uh, uh, this is one of these traditional desks. You see just below the lamp there, the, 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 uh, the, the thing there flops down, folds down, comes down in front of you to form the writing desk there. And uh, one of the things that Gwen kept in her desk was her magnifying glass. And uh, this is a serious magnifying glass. It needs a bit of a clean, but it's a serious magnifying glass. And, uh, uh, you know, we look back at many fond, and have many fond memories of Gwen. One of them is her using this regularly to read things from the newspaper, to examine things at close quarters, and so on. Gwen's magnifying glass is uh, one of those rather special things to Anna and to me. Anna's my wife, by the way. Now, the thing is with a magnifying glass, it doesn't actually make things bigger, does it? I mean, it doesn't change the thing you're looking at, so it's actually a bigger thing. It's still the same size, it just appears bigger to you. So when Mary says here, my soul glorifies or magnifies the Lord, she's not actually making God any bigger. Because you can't, can you? I mean, a ridiculous idea. But we can grow in our understanding. We can grow in our appreciation. We can grow in our adoration of God. We can grow in our love of God. God can grow in all sorts of ways in our minds and our hearts and our souls. But of course, he doesn't actually get bigger objectively, does he? Because he can't. Because he can't get bigger than God. Well, that's what was happening with Mary here. She was realizing how huge Christmas was to her. And she was realizing how wonderful and extraordinary God was growing in her mind, her soul, her heart, her life. And so she wanted to magnify him and help other people to magnify him, to grow in their understanding of who uh, God is. So Christmas is huge. It was huge for Mary and, um, uh, and was also huge or is huge for us. Huge for us. As a German guy, uh, a theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's around in the Second World War, and he said this, we've become so accustomed to the idea of divine love and of God's coming at Christmas that we no longer feel that shiver of fear that God's coming should arouse in us. It's interesting, isn't it? It's a rather different approach to Christmas. That actually, when we think of Christmas, it could be terrifying. When you think of Christmas, it could have a, something which sends a shiver of fear down your spine because it's huge. 
I mean, let's pause for a moment and consider what's going on here. You probably know, um, you know, a bit of the Christmas story, God becoming a man, God becoming one of us. But why? Why would he do that? Why did he need to? Well, there are a couple of clues here. So, uh, uh, for instance, in our little passage here, it says, And my spirit rejoices in God my saviour. God, my saviour. And in the second, in verse 50 there, it says, his mercy extends to those who fear him. But he's talking about his mercy. So God, a person who is merciful, who has mercy, and who is a saviour. Now, Christmas is huge for us because we have a huge problem. And Christmas is the, the beginning of the solution. As God Almighty becomes a person, becomes a human being. And then as this God-man goes to his cross and he dies for us. Gave his life to pay the price for our rebellion against him. And as this baby is born, and actually this was lined up in a past eternity. He's heading for a cross. We're out of God's mercy He died for our salvation. That's why Christmas is huge. It was huge for Mary. Of course it was huge for Mary. Any Anyone giving birth, I imagine, it's a whopping thing for you, isn't it? Perhaps especially your first child. Absolutely huge. But huge, too, that God should be born through her womb. And that God Almighty would become a human being. Maybe a human being because Mary was his mum. A human being who had Mary's eyes. We've no idea. Maybe he walked like Mary walked. Maybe he laughed as Mary laughed. We, we don't know. But he was her son. And very probably had one or two characteristics of his mum. Huge for Mary and huge for us because this baby, out of God's mercy, came for our salvation. Christmas is huge. So how should we react? Well, I just simply want to say this as we think about this saviour song. So be humble and hungry. If Christmas is as big as I've said it is, if Christmas is simply huge, then how should we approach it? How should we approach this God of Christmas? How should we approach this Christmas message? What does Mary say? She says this, guys, be humble and hungry. In the course of uh, uh, of this song, she says, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Next verse says, but has lifted up the humble. The humble, he has filled the hungry with good things. So be humble and be hungry. Now, humility is the the opposite of pride, isn't it? Um, It was Augustine. Uh, Some people say, many people say, the best theologian the Christian church has ever produced. And he said this. He's a very wise bloke. He said this. For those who would learn God's ways... Humility is the first thing. Humility is the second thing. And humility is the third thing. 
And so with God's help, we've got to get pride out of our lives. Millions, millions upon millions of people, perhaps especially the male of the species, think that we don't really need Christmas. We don't really need God. We don't really need Jesus. We don't really need religion. We don't really need this salvation I've just talked about just briefly. And we think we can cope. And we think we're going to be okay. And we think that somehow God's going to be pleased with me. And we think that somehow uh, we're going to be all right. And we couldn't be more wrong. I'm afraid. God reserves some of his fiercest criticism for the proud. There's no point in pride. And Christmas should make us humble people. If God really did become a human being, and if God really did do that for me and for you, and if this baby grew up and he went to his death for me and for you, then there's no room for pride whatsoever. Mary also said he has filled the hungry with good things. And I think there'll be some people here this evening who would like to take this further. People are thinking, well, I've never really quite thought about it like this before. Maybe people who are thinking, that's interesting, I need to find out more. Well, in January, on just on the tables, um, you've got these little things that say uncover. And uh, um, I'll be leading a little um, uncover group in January. From the, I think it's the second. Does it say the second? Yeah, January the second. That's quite soon, isn't it? So uh, that's in January. A group of us, coffee and cake, uh, looking informally at the Bible together to discover more about why God became a man. If you're interested in that, you're not committing yourself to it, but you'd just like to be kept in touch and so on, then uh, do scribble your name at the bottom. And there, there's boxes. There's a box by the door, collection box. You can put this in there and uh, we'll be in touch with you. There will be people here tonight who'll be thinking, I've never thought about Christmas quite like that, and I'm hungry, and it could well be you. I spent the first 15 years of my life thinking that Christmas was about presents and TV and lots of food. And in our household, no alcohol. Not that it wasn't a religious thing. We, my, my mum and dad just didn't do it, nor, nor did I. I never really thought about these things, so I never really thought about Christmas. And then a friend invited me uh, to the youth group at his church. And I got involved over uh, three or four years and started to think, and I began to get hungry. And I wanted to find out more. And I wanted to learn. Until I came to that point, actually it was on the back of, an, of a boat on the Norfolk Broads on the 18th of April 1974. And I could tell you from that point onwards, I was definitely a follower of Jesus. It's changed my life forever. Forever. And Christmas can make you humble and hungry. And one more thing before I close. You might be thinking, I'm not just hungry. I'm not just curious to find out a little bit more. Actually, I want to commit myself to this Jesus. I want to commit myself to this Lord Jesus. And you can do that by saying a simple prayer. Um, What we're going to do is, uh, I'm just going to show you the prayer now. And if you want, that's a commitment that you could make just quietly now. 
Here's the prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came to this earth and you died for me. I'm hungry to know you. Please be my savior today. Now, if you want, you could make that commitment and say that prayer just quietly this evening. Or you could just remember it in outline and think, maybe next few days once I've thought this through. But don't put it off. This is very, very serious. And very, very wonderful. You pray that prayer for the first time, it'll be the best Christmas you have ever had. So we're going to be quiet for a moment. and uh, But before we do, do come back over Christmas. There are plenty more opportunities to find out more, and there are plenty of things by the doors to uh, uh, to give you uh, some details of our other services here. Um, do think about the Uncover uh, little course that we're doing. And uh, we're also, by the doors, there are these books by Matt Chandler. We've, um, we've got a couple of hundred of these we're giving away. So uh, if you haven't got one... Um, uh, it's very good. Uh, I've read it quite quickly myself. It's very helpful uh, to give an outline of the Christmas message. So do take one of those. They're entirely free. And uh, if you'd like to, do talk to one of us before uh, you leave this evening. Thanks for listening. Have a great Christmas. Let's just be quiet for a few moments and then back to Stephen.